is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For this episode, I chat with Jim Meskimen, and we cover a little bit of everything from a chance encounter with Harvey Keitel to painting, Apollo 13, and so much more. So I hope you enjoy part one with Jim Meskimen. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me on Zoom is Jim Meskimen. Jim, thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Clay. Nice there, to be here. So much I want to talk about. Such a wide-ranging career. So much humor and comedy and so much more. Before we get to that, I want to take it back to the beginning of time for you, Jim. What were your... Beginning of time. All the way back to the beginning of time. <laughs> exactly. <Good God. laughs> if we can go back this there. <laughs> this is a very unusual interview indeed. What were your entertainment dreams growing up? I didn't really have any. I, you know, like a little kid, I liked being entertained and I liked, I did have an impetus or uh, desire to perform. And I don't know why, you know, I just, uh, I don't know. I just, I would see great performances on television or in theater and get very excited. You know, I remember being a little boy and taken to children's theater and just being, just being electrified by the experience. And I just couldn't sit still in my own skin. Uh, I remember that sensation very, very well. And I remember seeing great performers in films like, God, the first time I saw Danny Kay uh, was in uh, I, at school. They were running uh, the the court jester. And I, I, you know, the sky just opened up for me. It's like, oh, this is incredible, you know, uh, to see someone create that kind of playful, silly, artful, fun effect was like, wow, this is the universe that I signed up for. Hmm. Was there a defining moment for you when you decided that this would be like the career? Yeah, it actually took me a long time. I mean, I, I always had sort of, you know, movements in certain direction. I did little performances when I could. I I felt uh, strongly creative, you know, and my mom was great and she indulged me in all that stuff, which I think is, is so important for a parent to do, you know, just foster that creativity anywhere you can find it. And then, but in my 20s, <clears throat> After I'd already studied theater a, a bit, I'd, I'd studied painting and drawing, which was my my first love and, and my first career. Uh, there was <clears throat> there was a defining moment where I I it finally struck me that uh, being an actor was probably the way to go because of the level of excitement it gave me. And it happened after I ran into uh, the actor Harvey Keitel on the street in Madrid, Spain, where I happened to be living for a short time and uh why I, you know that i was <clears throat> i had been studying art in spain okay. and uh i would out, i was out in the countryside for quite a bit of time and then i moved back into the city to sort of get my bearings and uh yeah so i was in madrid just a few months and bang i ran into harvey Keitel on the street it was so electrifying to me to meet him that i realized oh you know this is quite exciting i think i should really I think I can make the commitment now. And just that realization was a, a, a life-changing afternoon. What does painting do for you in terms of the uh, performing? How, does it affect or help open your mind to creative choices in performing and painting? Or is it more of just a release unrelated? Uh, yeah, it's it's a different channel of the same uh, desire. You want to express something. 
you know, and an artist can express themselves in a ton of different ways. They can lay their fingers on a keyboard, as you know, they can pick up an instrument, they can decide to do a dance, they can put their feeling into a character or a voice or something, or they can pick up a brush and, and do some painting or a pencil or whatever. So I think, you know, once you go down that path a little bit, then it separates. But the initial uh, the initial kind of spark comes from the individual wanting to let other people know about something they've experienced. And uh, so there are certain things that I still would rather pre I prefer and I can think with expressing visually much easier than I can with comedy or with voices or the other things that I've developed over the years. So more aesthetic things I do with watercolor or oil paint or or drawing or whatever or digital painting which i love to do as well uh, and and i i but I, I i feel like i have to discipline myself to to not go down that path too deeply because it in fact is not the way i earn a living <laughs> <laughs> is that your um is that your day do you have a daily meditation or ritual or is painting kind of your mind opening you know no it's it's you know what the way i feel about it is it's sort of it's sort of like a tide that is always wearing away at, at the coastline of my resolve. And at some point there's a cave in and I just have to go and paint something. Okay. Okay. Uh, growing up, what did your, what did your mother, Marion Ross of happy days fame? What did, what did she teach you about work ethic? Well, she, she taught by example. And that was really the, the great gift that I got from her is that she set a great example as a hardworking professional she was ambitious. She was energetic and uh, attacked life with a lot of moxie. And, uh, you know, I just saw how she did not sit around and wait. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of actors do. We were not clever enough to figure out that uh, the career is not going to come to us, you know, because we've heard about people that are discovered and we've heard about people that are offered things. And we think, well, that would be nice, you know, but that's not the only way that one generates activity. Uh, one can create their own opportunities. Some of the biggest stars that we recognize today are people that had the gumption and the uh, inventiveness to create their own project, really carry it through to completion, perform it in front of people or show it to people, and, and suddenly they become you know very well known because of it. So she showed me that uh, don't just sit around, uh, don't just consume entertainment. Uh, create it in, in any way that you feel you can, you know, you imbue things with life that way. And uh, I, I feel really lucky to have witnessed that. And then the fact that she managed to become, you know, one of a very few number of actresses in her age group that became truly well-known, iconic, internationally famous is just staggering to me. And But I, I feel like I witnessed what she did to pull that off. Uh, at least during you know the time when she and I were together on the on the planet at the same time, through her, her through her like vast career path, what were what were any uh, lessons that she taught you about kindness? Oh well, again by example, I yeah. saw that when she even before she was famous, uh, she was uh, I would see her interacting with the public. You know, uh, she was an actress, and so that had a certain cachet, and people treated her just a little bit different, and they. You know, they didn't put her on a pedestal, but she was kind of, you know, a little, she had a little light on her. She had a little special. Mm. And um, so I noticed that when she would interact with people, she did it with courtesy. She did it with caring. And my mother's also one of these people. 
which still is still impresses me. You know, if she goes to a, a restaurant that she frequents a lot, like a coffee house or something where she likes to have breakfast, she knows the waitress's name. She knows the, the son the son of the waitress's name. She knows the the guy coming along to bust the table. Oh, that's Ernesto. Yeah, he he came from Salvador. Did you know that? You know, she knows and cares about about just the people in her environment. And she doesn't put on airs or, I mean, she can be a celebrity and do that and do interviews. And, and But it's always from a point of view of, aren't I lucky? And, you know, isn't life wonderful? So mm -hmm. she sets an amazing example that way. And that's why people, I don't know, they just love her. You know, the, the most common comment I get when they find out, when people find out who my mom is, they say, oh, I, I love your mom, which is just magical. Yeah, that's it's that gratitude. It's, it's contagious. Yeah. It's absolutely contagious gratitude. Yeah, exactly. Uh, mentors. Do you have any particular mentors that come to mind and any standout lessons from those mentors? Well, I guess, you know, my mom, other than my mom, I, I had a painting mentor, uh, whose name was Miguel Arguello. And, uh, he told me always put a little green in your red and a little red in your green. Uh, <laughs> painter, <laughs> painters perhaps will understand that. <laughs> Uh, uh, other than that, um, Ron Howard has been a great, uh, mentor of sorts in that he put me in a, my first film and then in four other, uh, films subsequent to that, that he did. And, uh, so he, I don't know, he just sets a high bar of professionalism and, and grace as well, and good manners and, uh, kindness. And he, he also showed me that, uh, he taught me a bit about being a director even though I've not directed films, I've directed other kinds of projects and dealt with actors. And he showed me that, um, uh, demonstrated to me basically the way to work with actors is to kind of act like it's a, a little bit of a sports club, a, a basketball team, if you will. And and every you're trying to get, you, you deal with each player as to what they need, you know, what their needs are. And in that way, get everybody moving towards the same final goal. So I saw that and I've used it and uh, it works pretty well. Yeah. Well, in terms of that communication, I'd, I'd love to speak on it for a moment, how how you've gotten better at communicating, either through witnessing, you know, the work of Ron Howard or other directors. Does anything come to mind? Yeah. I mean, communication is at the foundation of everything we do, basically, yeah. you know, as human beings working together. So. I mean, uh, it has everything to do with my career as a voiceover artist, it's all about communication, uh, as an actor, you know, when I write letters to people, I mean, it just, it's going on all day long mm. and, uh, you gotta be really good at it. And, uh, I've learned all kinds of things over the years. I've put it to work. I worked in one of the, you know, I lived in, in one of the most, uh, communication based places in the world, which is New York city, which is, uh, it's famous for, for being very communicative and people yes. tell you exactly what's on their mind. And you're in physical communication with people all the time. They're bumping into you, you're, they're running past you. They're saying, hey, can, you know, pick it up a little bit. So uh, I think, uh, you know, LA is, is less that way. Uh, LA, you're kind of isolated in your pod uh, more often than not. But uh, New York mm -hmm. is a very communicative place to live and you, you get good at it, you know? And, and I, I've done a lot of study of communication as a subject, and I've uh, put it into practice. I did a, I had a whole career in my 30s as a um, man-on-the-street interviewer uh, for different companies. I did commercials for lots of different grocery chains and other companies. So I 
I, I learned to to master, you know, a conversation and to steer it and to find some fun with it and and keep it moving without irritating people. Yeah. Well, even with the <laughs> even with the impersonations and listening, I mean, really picking up on body language and just you know, phrases and what have you, does anything come to mind there, especially in terms of the, like doing impersonations, how you've gotten better at listening? Yeah, it is a, it's a skill, right? You can learn to be perceptive in a, in any kind of channel. You know, Mm -hmm. I I think there, it reminds me of those old uh, coffee commercials where they would show you the guy who was down in Brazil, who was tasting all the different tasting all the different coffees, you know, and people call wine, you know, they can develop their palate. They can taste and and detect very small variations in something. Same with the, on the auricular level, you know, of sound, you can uh, train yourself, I think, uh, to detect different, different wavelengths and how, what's going on with a, with a, a different performer in my case, you know, when I'm listening to a celebrity or an actor or a political figure or whatever, I'm, I'm kind of picking it apart uh, very quickly uh, and making certain adjudications about it. And then I can translate it into, well, what do I have to do with my equipment? What do, what do I, where do I have to put my tongue and my, you know, teeth and stuff to, yeah. to, to try that? And, it, you know, it gives you a leg up. You still have to drill it a lot. You still have to do a kind of a side-by-side comparison. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's all, it's all, like you say, it's communication. It's being perceptive enough to listen and hear it. And then, figuring out the mechanical way to present it with, within your own limitations. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening. 